This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and we're going to do this podcast here on sleep. And it's really more of a review of a um, book that I'm about to read, but a podcast that actually was on uh, Joe Rogan. And uh, <laughs> I was just talking to Meredith. Uh, Meredith, actually, why don't you say hi so we can kind of start the conversation a little bit. Hi, everybody. We're talking about sleep. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> so... So um, just some quick announcements just to get out of the way. You know, happy Memorial Day for all the people that are doing MRF. Stay safe. Um, I did put up some information in the private groups. I also put out some information that's actually seems to be pretty popular um, related to my daughter's graduation and my other daughter, you know, scoring really well on the ACT, but kind of, you know, some of the conflicts that we've had to do with the school system and stuff like that to to make some of those things happen. I would love to deep dive some of that stuff, but uh, I am actually leaving for Mississippi. My family is originally from, uh, my dad's family uh, was originally from Jackson, Mississippi. My grandfather is buried in Jackson, Mississippi. And so uh, I'm going down to visit those guys and spend some time with my family and crawfish boil and eat some oysters and all that other kind of stuff. So really excited about that. Um, in terms of Eat to Perform, we are, uh, and, and this is sort of on the down low right now. I'm not sure. <coughs> Excuse me. I should probably hit the mic thing whenever I <laughs> I'm not quick on the draw here. Um, but in terms of uh, the app, the new app is coming out. And for those that don't know, the, the price I had promised would go up. So this is going to be, uh, I believe Wednesday is going to be the last day, you know, so you don't have to rush and, and sign up right now. But if you have friends or family and they were considering, it's literally going to be a 50% difference, right? Um, because the price is going up to $14.95. You know, truthfully, we've been holding back the price for a while, but we've had a lot of demand. Um, we're, we're, you know, last month, as an example, we took on as many people as we did in January. So just to give you some idea of the demand, and I think the demand is because a lot of friends and family are talking to everybody going, oh, my goodness, you know, the coaching is really so good right now. We have a few changes. I'll probably talk about that in the next podcast. Uh, but. You know, when we look at the changes in the app, it's going to give us a lot more flexibility. Now, we'll say this, and I, and I definitely want to put this out there. I love the new app. Um, I think all of you are going to love the new app once we tinker with it a little bit. But let's be real. We've all got used to the old app, you know, all of its clunks, all of its flaws, and you know, it's part of who we are. So anytime you change anything, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But when you start to see some of the tinkering that we'll be able to do just right out the gate, I think you're going to realize that this is a much more flexible platform and a lot of the different little things that we go to. So in terms of the price, you know, right now you get the two-week free trial. Right now it's $9.95. That will be grandfathered into the end of the year. Um, and then after the, you know, the year, it, you'll have the option, like all e performers, to either 
by a lifetime or you know in January you'll be graduated to the other price but it gives you six months to try it out see if it's a good fit for you and your lifestyle and then um, but people that literally sign up next week will be paying $14.95 after the two-week free trial so uh, keep that in mind you are being forewarned so <laughs> there we go so uh, boy, I don't have uh, the last name of Matthew, but I know that the name, actually, you might have it, Meredith, because I just sent yeah. Meredith the link because she mentioned that she struggles with sleep as well. Actually, I have it right here. Hold it's on. Matthew, Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker. And so Matthew did a podcast with Joe Rogan, which everybody was raving about. And I'm sort of conflicted, you know, about the whole Joe Rogan thing because some of his nutrition stuff is just really unenlightened. And, you know, I mean, let's be real. Joe Rogan holds a lot of power in the podcast world because he's top five in, um, you know, in iTunes at all times. And he's probably top five in every other category. So everybody pretty much goes there and kisses his ass you know, as it relates to nutrition and all of his ketosis bullshit. Um, the simple fact of the matter is, is that, you know, even in this podcast, he mentioned that um, he only sleeps six hours a night and he just like never seems to, you know, he puts all these people that are pretend scientists that kind of, you know, have like these real strong biases one way or the other. The best podcast I've seen um, is actually somebody that that we had on is Andy Galpan. And Andy, it does a lot of work with the USA weightlifting team. Uh, he runs a lab that is is focused on uh, athletic performance. And he was the first pe person that I'd seen that put, you know, Joe Rogan in his place as it related to nutrition. <laughs> Um, and even in this discussion about sleep, there was a lot of talk about nutrition that came up kind of in a sideways way. But then Joe sort of wants to train, you know, change the topic to what he believes and why that's important to him. And, and you know, his heart is in the right place. I will say right. that. Like, I love Joe Rogan. You know, um, I love that podcast. I mean, for two hours, sometimes three hours, you can sit there and listen to this guy talking. And he's such a great interviewer. Right. He does kind of go to, whoa, that's insane. You know, like a lot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I really do like the fact that um, I think if he were ever to get really into the science of all of it, he would. um you know, maybe be a little bit more open. I know he's very pro PED. He's very pro hallucinogenics. He's very pro pot, which I'm not against any of those things. I believe that as adults, you should have the options to do um, kind of whatever you want. Um, that's just my personal opinion. But uh, the and, and I actually like some of his explorations in that regard. But when we talk about you know, trying to fit, uh, you know, we may have lost Meredith, actually. She's uh, she's sort of locked up on here, so she'll probably end up coming back. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, the thought process that, you know, low carb is, is the best way. I mean, the, the, he's so very clearly 
obsessed with carbohydrates um, that it's it's almost hilarious. And so uh, let me see if I can get Meredith back here. I have a deer walking in my backyard right now. Um, it's kind of interesting. Sorry, I have no idea what happened. I just lost you. I'm here. Yeah, no problem. And so, uh, you know, we, we pretty much just went on me ranting on Joe mm -hmm. Rogan and his low-carb stuff. But, but let's, let's get to the, to the part about the sleep because it was really good. And like I said, if yeah. you want to listen to that podcast, you can go right ahead. But I would highly suggest that you buy the book. Now, I've not read the book. OK. Um, and so I will kind of give a little bit of a splash review afterwards. But this dude was like dropping bombs, you know, and uh, one of the big bombs that he dropped, you know, I recently started another page. I don't think I'm going to do anything with it, truthfully. But if you asked me what I think is the most important thing related to fat loss, I would say sleep. Um, I would have Yeah, and and we get, we'll, we'll, we'll walk you through why it is, right? But, um, you know, his book really kind of goes into the whole sleep thing. And what was really interesting were the statistics that he was dropping related to eight hours sleep compared to seven hours sleep compared compared to six hours sleep. And there's probably a lot of you out there listening and going, I can function fine on six hours sleep. Well, you know, well, let me back up for just a second, because there was one part there were there were there were definite parts of the conversation where he has to sort of skate around Joe Rogan's personal beliefs to promote his book, right? That's why I'm saying read the book and don't necessarily listen to the podcast, but the podcast free. You can listen to it if you want. But there was one part that he talked about that we know a lot about. And what he talked about was intermittent fasting and fasting in general mm -hmm. and why fasting is going to be bad for your sleep. And when you look at fasting, what you're really trying to do is eat less food for a desired result. So fasting is really no different than, you know, hyper low calories. Like essentially, I, I, I think, you know, when you look at some of the science, it will really point to the fact that, you know, especially for women, that fasting has big problems that, that come along with it. And the reason why is because it's like a tool you can use to harm yourself more, right? So like I'm actually a proponent of intermittent fasting. I'm a, I'm a proponent of time-restricted windows as a way of managing your food at certain times. Obviously, there's parts of each perform where we talk about fat loss. But since day one, since the day we opened the doors, everyone was like, whoa, I was sleeping four hours a night and now I'm sleeping seven plus, you know? So we knew right from there that everything was happening. Well, then this guy really started going into, you know, things that I've come to believe. And what I believe 
you know, he mentioned on the podcast that there is, you know, he's English, so he referred to it as drink driving. But um, there's there's many statewide programs related to steps and there's, you know, related to drunk driving and and all these things. And what he's saying is, is that momentum needs to be put towards sleep, because if you put sleep first, I mean, and even as far as to say, like, it's important as you're raising your children to give them regular bedtimes and stress the importance of sleep and managing stress and ways to do that. And this is something that after dealing with thousands of people, I believe in strongly. And that's why, you know, when I said earlier, Joe Rogan sleeps six hours a night and he probably thinks, well, I just don't make sleep a priority. No, Joe, it's not, it's not that you don't make sleep a priority. It's that you undereat because you're, you're under eating carbohydrates. One of the big things that he always harps on is this big, you know, carbohydrate lull. And the sleep guy actually sort of, sort of went back at him on that. And he said that you get the lull no matter what, right? right. And the sleep the guy didn't say this, but I'm going to say it. The reason why you don't get that same response, he did kind of go into it when you're underfed because there was there was so many parts of it where he's trying to dance around raindrops that Joe Rogan was putting in front of him, you know, without actually telling Joe Rogan the truth that that hey, all your ketosis nonsense is just bullshit, right? But the reason why you're more alert when you're under eating carbohydrates is because you have more cortisol flowing through your system. So you're always at this state of alertness where you're, you know, and he actually did talk about, you know, kind of people that would forage and when you undereat, why, you know, ghrelin and leptin you know, react difference to that. You know, ghrelin is your, uh, the hormone that regulates uh, your hunger and leptin is, is the hormone that regulates your fat. And so, uh, you know, when you are underslept, ghrelin goes up. And when you are, um, you know, they, they, they kind of are antagonists, right? And they, they actually work in tandem with insulin as well. So like all the people that, that talk about uh, cortisol as an example, you know, a great antidote to cortisol is, um, is carbohydrates and being well fed. And so if you have this kind of deep seated thought process that everyone's overeating and you know, you're, um, you have a fat problem, and you have to undereat as a result of it, you're going to have sleep problems, right? right. And I'm going to have Meredith talk about this part because I can tell you that even when I was eating 5,000 calories a day, I was burning seven, 8,000 a day, and I had to fight through a lot of sleepless nights. Meredith, you want to talk a little bit why that might be? Because I know she struggles with similar things. And don't get me wrong, I still struggle with sleep on occasion, but I, I manage it a lot better. 
And uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about your experience and then we can kind of riff off of that a little bit. Okay. So I, Paul mentioned that I said that this was a struggle for me and it really is. And my issues, I never get enough sleep and except like last night, I actually got eight hours and it was because I didn't have to get up and coach at 5am this morning. But, um, I, but when I sleep, I don't, I fall asleep quickly. I think I, I have good quality of sleep when I, because I'm eating enough and I make sure I have some, I actually have carbohydrates before I go to bed to help me sleep. Um, my issues managing my time and my stress so that I have enough to, to get enough hours in the day to sleep. Basically, I've tried to figure out how to add hours to the day and I can't figure it out yet. Well, you don't make sleep a priority in your life. That's my issue. I do not make sleep a priority. That, but I have. I mean, no, yeah. 100%, 100%. And I have had periods of my of time where I have made sleep a priority, and it has made the biggest difference um, with recovery. It's made difference in my training. It's made difference in my weight. My weight goes down when I'm sleeping. Um, like even this morning, I was up a little bit yesterday from where I wanted to be. I slept eight hours, got on the scale. I was down two pounds. I mean, it's just that's – that's what what sleep will do for you. Um, so yeah, my issue is not it's not a priority, and I'm working. My goal this summer is to make sleep more of a priority, and we've talked about it as a family. Um, you mentioned bedtimes for the kids. We have always had bedtimes for the kids. My 16 year old hates that. Um, he thinks that he shouldn't he should get to go to bed whenever he wants. But he has a job and he's working, and I just I have to I tell him all the time sleep's really important. And you need to have that. But so where what I've seen with sleep is that um, one of the studies that I did, I talked about this one time with a group of women. Um, I did this little seminar at church, and they one of the studies I um, looked into said that you, at six hours of sleep, you are functioning, you're not functioning at full capacity, and you don't even know it. Like you think you're handling it well, you think you're managing, I manage well on six hours, but it is proven that your cognitive abilities are decreased when you have six hours sleep or less, and you don't even know it. That's the I whole mean, thing. You don't even realize. Dropping, dude, I mean, dude was hitting hard. I mean, he, he was like hitting people in the gut, talking about how you know six hours sleep it is it ranks similar to having two beers, right? right? Like there were there were a lot of similarities, and, and really taught a big part of his book relates to doctors mm -hmm. and how doctors don't sleep, right? And right. So, but you were going to say something? Um, I actually did this thing. One of the um, – we've got a lot of police officers and stuff in, that go, come to my CrossFit gym, and we were talking about, like, drunk driving tests, like how they – like if someone pulls you over for drunk driving, just what they do, you know, the walk the line, they look at your eyes, different things like that um, to tell if you've been, you know, drinking, even without, you know – but you will have those same positive responses with lack of sleep. The same positive responses that you have when you've been drinking to those different tests, you know, watching your eyes and stuff, you will have the same with lack of sleep. Yeah, and when you look at, you know, the positives of sleep, right? So a lot of people are going to look at what you're saying and they go, well, I get eight hours sleep and I didn't lose two pounds. Well, you might not have the cortisol that Meredith has, right? right. So cortisol is going to hold water in your system and you get a good night's sleep with good recovery and it's going to going to send that right. water through. I, this is this is my biggest issue, okay. right? Um, because I, I just believe that, you know, I, I know that we have to sort of tackle things, 
right? Um, where we have to kind of put out this face that, that, you know, fat loss is the end all be all. But if you really want the truth, right? The biggest truth is sleep should be the biggest priority in your life. I've never wavered on that. I have all, that's been a core principle of Ethan form since day one. And so all the people that want to diet themselves, all you're going to do is just tear down a bunch of muscle. Your testosterone levels just end up being a lot lower. So if you're chronically dieting, I mean, we've talked about a million different things on a million different podcasts of all the different problems that you have with hypothyroid and, you know, but I mean, this dude was going in hard. He was talking about cancer. He was talking about just the way that your body, um, like sleep is the best performance enhancing drug. And what was interesting is that, you know, some of my experiences with Jordan, the, the Olympic, you know, the Olympic lifter that, you know, uh, you know, I work with is that her biggest skill was that she could sleep 11 hours a night every single night. Right. So all that recovery, I mean, occasionally she would go down to nine. Right. But all that recovery is really what helped her so much. And it was that food, you know, where she was eating 3000 calories at 115 pounds. And so when you look at all the things that are positive, that's a big piece. Um, so you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned the food and I mentioned it earlier too, but I try not to go to bed hungry um, because that is, it's dumb. you don't sleep, huh? Because it's dumb to go to bed hungry? Yeah, no, um, so I always, people laugh at this and I don't know how people, but what I do before, usually what I eat before bed is um, I like my rice checks with a protein shake over the top of it. And that's yeah, I, I used to do that. I don't, I don't focus on that near near as much as I used to. Now, he did. Um, it was sort of an interesting thing. You know, he did talk about that and he talked about why would you go to bed hungry? That doesn't even make sense. It's not even doesn't even make sense from an evolutionary standpoint. I've always made the argument for some level of time restricted eating mm -hmm. when you're on fat loss because you're going to have to be hungry. So you might as well try to be hungry in the morning. That's right. always been my, my contention. Um, and, uh, but he did talk a little bit about carbohydrates. Um, and, and he, you know, I mean, in the one instance, where I do agree with Joe Rogan and, and this guy seemed to kind of also um, kind of go in that direction. It would seem like we would be adversaries, but we're actually not adversaries. I'm not a big believer in overconsumption, you know, and I'm not a big believer in, um, you know, having a lot of sugars before bed, you know, right. not, I'm not a big believer, you know, I mean, if you feel like, you know, a small meal before bed, you know, actually allows you to sleep better. We've seen a lot of people that that actually does help them quite a bit. But um, and there's actually some recent studies that just came out related to casein. I don't know if that's what you put in your. Yeah. So. Yeah. So and it's about I was just going to say, Paul, it's about an hour before bed. I'm not talking like I eat and then I hit, hit the bed. I mean, about an hour before bed. Um. Mostly because 
I have so many things going on in the evening by the time I get home, I'm hungry. <laughs> so I'll eat something when I get home and then about an hour later I'm in bed. But, and yeah, that casein protein is kind of what I've been um, focusing on there. But I, backing up just a little bit, last summer, we talked about summer last in our last podcast, I... I made sleep a priority last summer, and I've gotten away from that, and I need to readjust my priorities and manage my time a little bit, and I'm working on that. But when I did start managing my sleep and my rest days, I was actually working out less, but I was seeing more progress. I had, um, I was seeing more muscle gains. I was seeing um, just my performance and stuff went up. I wasn't trying to lose weight, and I lost some, lost some pounds, lost some pounds, a little bit of fat loss, but a lot of it was because I made that sleep a priority and I noticed such a big difference. I swore I was going to make that always a priority, but I'm also a realist and I, for everybody out there that's like, I don't know how to do this. I get it. A hundred percent. I get it. It's, it's, it's hard yeah, to make happens. it a priority. Life, yeah, life happens, happens. But, but, but it's still just an excuse. I agree. At the I end agree. of the day, it's just an excuse. And I mean, he talked about split work, being a carcinogen, meaning that if, if if you have split shift, you're more at risk for cancer. And that, to me, would change a lot of people's approach to their career if they knew that, right? Now, I right. get it. Like, some of us just have to do it. Like, you mentioned police officers. I'm sorry, you know, but the facts are the facts, you know, and I think the thing that that a lot of people listening to this aren't going to make the connection that they really should is that why is sleep important? And you go, well, why are your workouts better? You know, couldn't you just, you know, work out, you know, with five hours sleep and push through it? Maybe you can one time, but you certainly, you know, if, if, if you know, if you listen to some of what this guy's saying and, and something I've always preached is that's like choosing to work out at 60%, right? Yes, it might make sense once, but the more you do it, the more, you know, of a negative it's going to be. And so there's, you know, we live in a world with each perform where sleep is a priority, eating adequate amounts of food is a priority and, and workouts are a priority. The regular average person, you know, I mean, like, I, I'll fully admit to you, you know, in my 100-pound loss, I fought through a lot of sleepless nights. I fought through a lot of things because it was stress upon stress upon stress, even with food. Imagine if you take away food in that scenario. You, What you do is basically you just light the match and then – throw it onto the gasoline. And that's why most people fail. If you were working out and you were working out with eight hours sleep and you had a good amount of testosterone and you really felt beast mode most days, you have to admit, like you were saying, eight hours, you feel like Wonder Woman today. Oh yeah, today's a great day. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 this is not a workout day, it's a travel day for me. Um, but, you know, I had eight and a half hours sleep and I wish it was a workout day. So, um, but what were you going to say? Um, you said something I just wanted to touch on before it gets lost a little bit. You said something about stress and something that I have been doing now that I'm really trying to make um, a priority is those of some of you may know, we talked about it in the, very, in the beginning of these podcasts. Um, I have a background in yoga. I've been um, teaching yoga for 13 years, but I've really started doing some deep breathing 
before bed. Some nice deep yoga breathing. Um, I have a uh, a series that I do. It's a, I do it like three times through, and um, that has also helped. Just because I take five minutes, it's hard sometimes to lay still for five minutes and breathe because at first I kept thinking about all these other things I needed to do and um, oh I could be doing this or I need to do this or I gotta do that but since I've been doing that my quality of sleep has been better as well and um, so that's something that just breathing um, manages stress I've mentioned this a lot of times in our groups people who have been around each perform for a while have seen some of my my breathing videos that I've done and my stress relief videos and stuff that I've done um, and I can always post that link in the comments when we post this if anyone's interested in that. But it's um, just 10 minutes of just breathing and focusing and kind of meditation where you don't think about um, anything but breathing relaxes your mind. And then it's a whole lot easier to fall asleep and to get that, that good quality of sleep because you kind of let that stress go before you went to bed. So and with stress, you know, you've got higher cortisol levels and everything. And if you're not getting enough sleep to counteract those cortisol, it's de very detrimental to your goals, huh? And and food. And food, yes. You know, like the, this is why this is a big piece of why the chronic dieting is such a problem. And right. I mean, like, like I, I want to emphasize it in a way that this guy didn't. When you choose to not address depression, when you choose to not address stress, when you choose to to take a, a job that's particularly stressful or do something, you're choosing a more unhealthy life, right? right. And I'm, I'm just saying that we all, you know, some of us need to make those choices. You know, I, I've made those choices in the past, but I can tell you that after listening to this, and I'm pretty sure after reading this book, that I will change my perspective on that greatly. Not only will I change my perspective on that greatly, I will change the perspective within each perform as it relates to our staff, right? And I, trying to manage that type of stuff. I'm going to read this book as well. Paul sent me the link too, so I'm going to download it. And so we can definitely follow up with this and talk about it on our next podcast. But I'm going to have that book read too. So the the other thing that I thought was really interesting, and we'll kind of just kind of go over some of the, the highlights, but melatonin. And I never really thought of melatonin this way. And actually, there is some melatonin in my ZMA. I didn't know that. Um, so I might be looking for a new ZMA because of that, because it's got one milligram of melatonin. And actually, one milligram of melatonin is is kind of a lot. I know there's a lot of people that, that do like five milligrams and stuff. Um, and he talked about that. And he talked about it's good for jet lag, but not a whole lot else. I quit taking melatonin a long time ago because we had that conversation in one of our groups or me. I can't remember. And for that same reason, and I quit taking it a long time ago. What he, what he said about melatonin is that you can mimic melatonin's effects by darkness. Right. Yeah. And like when you think about I don't know if you've ever gone camping or anything like that, but I defy you to stay up till 3 a.m. camping. I defy it. It doesn't happen. Right. Because, you know, there's darkness and you just, you know, unless you have really bad sleep. And once again, you know, I'm not saying to anybody that this is something that you can flip a switch and figure out tomorrow, you yeah. know, but 
but it is worth the pursuit, you know. Um, and it, it's it's sort of like the whole eat to perform idea, you know. Do you want to eat to perform? Do you want to work out better? Do you want to address fat loss long term, or do you want to keep getting detoured by the shortcuts, right? Sleep is one of those things you don't want to mess with. You don't want to detour on sleep, right? But and as a, I think, just as a whole, as a society, we don't we don't focus on that. And there's so many things to distract from the sleep. Um, I mean, think about your your um, screens. You know, you talk about darkness. Think about just those screens and stuff right before bed. We're always doing something. Not only do we not focus on it. We have a machismo about, I don't need a, a lot of sleep. Five hours is fine. I'm good, right? The, you, you, you hear that from people all the time. And what this guy was saying is, is like, he's, he's like, we have millions of data points that mm -hmm. show the exact opposite, that the value of eight hours sleep is literally life-changing. It is the most performance-enhancing drug there is. And when we talk about performance enhancing drugs, right, that you can get naturally, that's Wait. something you want to really think about. And the reason why that's important is because, you know, when we're talking about fat loss, we're talking about retaining lean mass also, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a big thing. So I'm going to run through a few things. Melatonin, basically darkness can mimic melatonin but like meredith said we don't do that why because i need to watch the end of the rockets game or i need to you know catch up on my facebook or i need to you know but he was saying that if you can start to turn off the lights you know two hours before bedtime and then gradually move into that direction that is very similar to what i do he did mention hot baths before bed um, I have to say, like, I was going to try it yesterday and then uh, just didn't uh, didn't make that a priority. Hey, on, the hot, on the hot bath, um, we have a hot tub, and so I've done that. But there's a fine line between getting enough to be relaxing and overheating. So there's kind of a – I felt there are times when I get the perfect amount, 10 minutes, and I feel amazing and I sleep great. But if you overheat, too, I don't sleep as well. So there's kind of a – a balance there. What he was saying is that the process of heating or even overheating, like you're saying, it's the cool, your body cooling down to to kind of adapt to that is the thing that makes you sleepy. Ah, okay. Um, so, you know, you, you'll read it. Um, the other thing that, um, that he talked about was sleep deficits and how harmful sleep deficits are. This is something that I would say has been the biggest change in my life. So your your tracker that you have, what is it? It's the Garmin. Okay. Um, the Garmin, um, I don't remember. It's the smartwatch. Okay. I, I thought it was a Whoop. So so I, I have the Whoop. And, and that was um, what was interesting about the Whoop is that the more you slept eight hours, the more you could get away with sleeping seven and a half hours, right? But what you didn't want to do is is build these huge sleep deficits where you're sleeping four hours and then sleeping 11. And that is actually what causes people sleep dysfunction. It doesn't fix it. But, you know, it's hard to say to someone who hasn't been sleeping, you know, that 11 hours of sleep, 
is harmful. Don't do that. Set an alarm. You know, um, right. but, but what he was saying is that the more consistent you can be there, that is what I've found also. Right now, you know, sometimes a dog wakes you up in the middle of the night. You know, there are different things that that happen. But what I've learned to do, I try not to nap in that situation. Um, there was some interesting things that he talked about related to napping. But I'm not a big believer in napping because I believe that it sort of interferes with your nighttime sleep. And so what ends up happening now, you know, sometimes there's been times in my life where napping was a necessity. And so I've done it. But in general, if, uh, you know, I get eight hours sleep for 10 days straight and I have one night where I have five hours sleep, what I find is is that if I can just gut it out, I usually sleep a little bit better. And he went, that that was probably an hour of the podcast that he talked about the importance of dreams and why it's not only so important, it's so important that your body finds a way to do it. And so he gave the example of pot smokers and, and alcoholics, right? And that if they go through a period of three to four days where they, they abstain, that they get these really vivid dreams, right? Because that's a really big part of the recovery as it relates to your body. Mm-hmm. And um, even use the example of extreme alcoholics that, that get, you know, delirium trims mm-hmm. and how they will hallucinate through the, through the day even without alcohol, as a dream response, right? <laughs> so, so your body is programmed to deal with, you know, and make you dream, right? Even though you might not remember it or, or you know. But, you know, the other thing that I think, but I, but I, I, I don't want to forget my last, my main point there. My main point was that, I used to obsess that when I didn't get a good night's sleep, that it was all for naught, right? And what I found and what he sort of said is that you're just going to sleep a little bit deeper. Your body figures it out, right? If, you, if, if by the way, you're, you're, you sleep four to five hours a night, your body will also figure that out. But what he's saying is it figures it out by destroying you, right? Yeah. And he was talking about dementia and Alzheimer's and all these things. And I think anybody who's walked into their kitchen after five hours sleep and wonders why the hell they just walked into their kitchen knows <laughs> a little bit about what I'm talking about, right? Um, and I just, I believe it to be true so much that I believe if you were to ask me, like I said this in the group, if you were to ask me what were the option, sleeping eight to eight and a half hours a night or losing 20 pounds, I'd easily pick eight to eight and a half hours. I wouldn't think twice about it, right? Because I know that my exercise would be that much better that I would be able to put on muscle 
and I could get lean. And I think there's way too many people that are in their head about their body types and things of this nature. Like, look at your grandmother. Look at your mom. You know what I mean? Look at your dad. You know, what do those people look like? You know, what what did they look like when they were fit? What did they look like when they were unfit? And there's just way too much, you know, comparison is the thief of joy kind of stuff. And realistically, you know, I've made the argument. I mean, this is too much of a discussion, you know, for this. But I don't believe that women necessarily should weigh less than men. I believe that 5'2 women compared to 5'2 men, um, there should be a favorable comparison, right? But I think that the 5'2 female has every legitimate right to weigh more than the 5'2 male, right? Same thing with a 5'10 female has every legitimate right because women are going to hold on to more fat in that scenario. And as long as muscle is a priority in their life, Right. So we're, we're sort of having these discussions about what is, you know, an OK body image. And what I'm saying to you very clearly, if you don't hear anything, I want you to hear this. If you have in your mind. That you need to be 120 pounds to be happy, first of all, you're wrong. Right. You can be happy right now. OK. Right. Secondly, at what cost are you willing to die? Right. Because you're opening up the the all these harmful things that could happen to you. And, you know, it's going to affect your sleep if you're going to work out too hard to get there or if you're going to under eat to get there. <laughs> and then you go, well, OK, but I will. What if I got to 120 and then, you know, did four hours sleep to get there? You know, but then I finally got there. What harm did you do to your long term sleep health? Right? right. Was it worth it? You know, and my argument would be is that, I mean, we're talking about monumental changes in the way that society needs to think about sleep. I mean, his <laughs> his site is sleepdiplomat.com. And I mean, like, like we could argue about degrees. But the dude is right, <laughs> right? That 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 we all know if we slept better, that we would recover better, that we would work out better, that we'd be happier, we'd be less prone to mental illness, right? I mean, he talked about lots of lots of correlations related to mental illness. Now, it doesn't mean that if you sleep good, you might not still struggle, like Meredith mentioned, you know, stress. You know, oh, yeah. I'm I'm a light sleeper in general and uh, I'm prone to stress. But the answer, see, this is the problem that everyone has, right? Is that it's easier to go, I'll just deal with six hours sleep than dealing with why you're stressed, right? And why that needs to be a big priority in your life. And if you're in circumstances that are more stressful, where you're not getting sleep. And then what happens when you aren't sleeping, you overreact to those stressful situations. So it just it just puts fire on the flame. A um, couple things I want to add to that, Paul. You mentioned, I'll just go back, you back up napping. I actually power nap occasionally, um, but I don't sleep more than 30 minutes. Like, and that's, I'll set an alarm, 
I'll do it. Sometimes I just have to have that 30 minutes. I'm not a long napper, um, but I do like do like my power naps. And there have been like I said, there have been some studies that sometimes that that can help. Um, oh, one hundred. No, I'm not arguing that that more sleep doesn't help. Oh, I know. <laughs> I well, yeah, I know. I'm just saying when you people were talking about that you're not napping, I just want to throw out there that I do. I do power nap, and I I I'm a proponent of that. If you if you if you can work that into your schedule and not overnap, because I think there's an overnapping issue, which will affect your nighttime sleep. Um, but the back, you know, back to that 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 stress. Yeah, when you are running, those cognitive abilities again. If you're not, if you're in a sleep deprivation all the time, it's not just the cognitive abilities it talks about. It's your emotional stuff. You you don't handle those emotions very well. You don't handle that stress better. Your body literally can't. Um, tolerate the amounts of stress because it doesn't have the recovery um, piece in it. So you're going to be able to deal with those stressful situations because we all have stress. And sometimes if you're in those really high stress situations, whether it be family or job or whatever um, you've got going on, if you can get to sleep, you are going to find that you can respond better to that stress. Um, and maybe it won't be as hard to, um, it won't be as stressful. Does that make, it's kind of a counter, uh, a cycle, you know, if you're not sleeping, handling the stress well. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, once again, I mean, if you think about what I'm saying to you, I'm actually putting towards you, to you the answers to fat loss. I am actually selling you on an idea that goes against you needing eat to perform, but ultimately, I believe that each form is a big piece of the answer, right? Mm -hmm. um, but he talked, you know, he talked about Ambien and all these things. I suggest you read the book. I'm going to read the book, but was a great podcast. I would recommend it as long as you can kind of get over um, Rogan's nonsense, which, you know, honestly, it's so, it's so funny because I, he's so entertaining. I do love his podcast. I love the fact that he's open to a lot of different ideas, but he's just so close minded related to what he believes and his heart is in the right place. I look, I've always believed that the low carb people, their heart is in <laughs> the deer's back. Um, the, you, you weren't here, but there's a deer that keeps going through my backyard. Um, I, I live, I live in a highly wooded area. Um, and there's a pond, uh, down at the bottom of the hill. And so we get a lot of animals that come into my backyard. Um, but, uh, but, but his heart's in the right place. He, you know, but he's just, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's got confirmation bias happening all the time. That's why, you know, when, you know, I try to surround myself with people I surrounded myself with people that question, you know, I mean, Brad, as an example, of all the things that he believes, he would be the first person to go, I need to question that a million different ways. And if you, if all you do is talk to people that believe what you believe, you, you don't get any real solutions there, right? So you have to kind of keep things in and, I, you know, people go, well, you know, but you are pro-carbohydrate. Am I? I mean, I'm pro what works, right? And when you look at the eat form low days, there's a very strong emphasis on managing carbohydrates and using that for more metabolic flexibility, which 
you know, metabolic flexibility is something that's being bastardized in the in the low carb world because they're arguing that you need to be fat adapted to be car carbohydrate adapted and stuff like this. It actually doesn't work like that, but that's that's another podcast for another. <laughs> but we're more not just pro carb. I mean, I just we're more pro food. Well, that's true. Underfed, pro under, you know, not being underfed, I guess is the. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are certainly times within Eat to Perform where you know we have people running through fat loss cycles and and. Mm -hmm. Carbs are relatively low in those. Now, you know, in comparison to these people that are trying to be in ketosis all the time, you know, those people look at the, the, the baseline plans and stuff like this. But the things that when when you're low carb, it's very difficult to work at peak performance. And what right. was good about what he talked about was the level of testosterones and things like that, right? And when you have carbohydrates, you have two tools, right? You have performance and calories working in your favor. So when you bring those carbohydrates down, you have two things working for you. When you're low carb, you really only have one thing working on your side. So you, you know, you know, there was a great example of somebody and and I talked about it in in the certification course, but we had someone that um you know i'd seen that lost 50 pounds and in that process it looked like they lost a lot of muscle right and it took them like two years to get there then we had an Egypt performer who lost 60 pounds and gained 10 pounds of muscle right right so and that was in six months right so even though a lot of people look at eat to perform as sort of a longer term solution, right? And you do have to keep your eye on the ball. Let's be real. You know, when you open up the ability to be more flexible as it relates to food, you know, and, and you know, let's be real. Sometimes, you know, workouts aren't always, you know, the first priority in everybody's life, you know, myself included, you know, over the, over the winter time, you know, my sleep was struggling and, and, I just I'm not a believer in really working out a lot at that point. But now that some of that seasonal effectiveness disorder, I have to tell you, like, like not only has this changed, but I, I knew way before this, I, I made a lot of posts. We talked about it a lot on podcasts. Um, but my next winter, I'm already making plans to leave Minnesota multiple times just yeah. so I can, you know, get in the right place mentally and keep, you know, my sleep as a as a big priority in my life. Something we didn't bring up, and I, I I hesitate a little bit, but I think most people that are listening to this are adults, and we can we can talk about this. But you um you mentioned this one time that you never sacrifice sleep for sex, and I think that that's a big thing that people you find time other times to make time for that, um and make they, that a priority other times. Remember that. The context. Um, some people will, we, we were talking about it. It was a group thing that we were talking about whether you would choose sex over sleep or sleep over sex. If you had to do one of the other, where's the priority? Cause we're talking about making sleep a priority. That's why I want to throw this out there, making sleep a priority. And you mentioned that you 
um, nothing, you, sleep is your priority and you find other time for that sex piece. You don't sacrifice sleep for sex. And I thought that was an interesting, um, could be an interesting topic. Um, uh, okay, first of all, I would 100% miss, miss sleep for sex. <laughs> so I have you no idea. You didn't say that though. I have no idea what you're talking about or the context. Now I will say that, um, <laughs> but but let's be clear here, because I don't want my wife to <laughs> okay. be to this. You said you were saying to make prioritize that at other times and not not at bedtime is what you were saying. Oh, okay, yeah. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Sorry, maybe I misrepresented that. You were saying prioritize that, but at other times, um, not right at bedtime, so it doesn't necessarily interfere with sleep. Well, my wife has always been of the belief, I mean, she just loves this when I talk about this kind of stuff, um, but she's always been of the belief that it wakes her up. Now, for, for a man, you know, it tends to have sleepy qualities, right? Like, um, right. and in nature, that's uh, sort of how that works. Um, you know, I do remember reading something about orgasm, right? And how orgasm is helpful as it relates to sleep. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going down a up. weird path here. But I have to Sorry. say, like, even even in but that scenario, my wife will say that it wakes her up. It right? comes, but it comes up. I can't tell you how many times that that's come up when talking about sleep. Yeah, and, and it comes up a lot. And so make that a priority. Obviously, um, it is a priority, but make it a priority where it in a way that it doesn't interfere with your sleep. Does that make sense? Because I would agree with your wife. It doesn't make sense, but I'm just going to tell you, if my wife comes, I mean, if my wife woke me up at 11 o'clock at night and said, I want to have sex, we're having sex. Right? I know, and I'm, that's not what I'm saying. Sorry, honey, i got to get my sleep. But um, it just it comes up a lot in discussion with sleep. It always seems to. And so I guess I just wanted to kind of bring that up on your thoughts on that and what my thoughts well, on that. I do, were. I do think that as a couple, I mean, it's an important part of the relationship, right? Yeah. So, so if if you're saying that, you know, like in the case of of my wife, I mean, like, like this is gonna shock people. I've given I've given people so. Much I'm sorry. Right inside life, um, I don't think before bed. I bet we haven't had sex five times in 30 years it's just you know when that's just not how it works out you know we just, time. we just do it at different times you yeah. know um, and with you like we or, should talk about this we're adults and then so what i was is sometimes you have to plan that as a, as a couple yes um, you do. start earlier or yeah. find other times. So make if you're going to make sleep a priority, like I said, it comes up a lot. So I guess I'm off, trying to offer a solution. Okay, um, I got the solution. Morning time. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, like for men, for men and women, your testosterone and well, you know, they've actually, you know, it, it is a little bit more estrogen related sex drive, um, but. Uh, Mornings, you know, especially after good night's sleep, have at it. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. But so, but as a couple, you've got to decide if sleep is going to be a priority, especially if you if you're in a relationship where you sleep 
in the same bed as someone every night and you want to make sleep a priority, you have to get them on board a little bit too and they to help you with these sleep issues and um, sex is a part of that. So you've got to come up with an idea. Why are you laughing at me? Because I feel like I feel like I need to be an advocate for the guys here. No, 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 no. It's not what I'm saying. I promise. I promise that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you've got to, as a couple, kind of decide how are we going to make this a priority and not have it affect our sex life. Yeah. No, I do agree with that. That's what I'm saying through all of this. I just you've got to as a solution because it comes up. I can't tell you how many times when you start talking about sleep, sex comes up as well. That's interesting because I, I don't equate those very much. Um, but, you know, obviously. I think you're the exception to the rule and not the norm, Paul. I'll be honest. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, <laughs> I think you're probably right. I don't, I, you know, I, we've just never, you know. Which is why you didn't bring it up or it wasn't on your radar for that because. That's true. That's true. I, like I said, five times, I mean, yeah. But if you talk to most relationship. If you talk to most couples, they are trying to find time for sex at bedtime. And then that's and you, some of the issues that even come with that is like, oh, I'm so tired. Well, yeah, you're tired, that may be, but you've got to still find time for that and make, you know, in a relationship make that a priority, obviously. But if sleep is going to be your priority too for your health and everything, it's just it's worth a conversation. It's worth a conversation with your spouse. It's worth coming up with a solution. Start earlier. Another time. I'm just telling you, pro tip, morning. <laughs> Hashtag morning pro tip. Morning pro tip sex. But that's uh, why I want to, just because I find that when it, we talk about sleep deprivation, that seems to always come up. But since it's not on your radar at all, I wasn't trying to create a whole big Pandora's box by opening that up. But it's my, definitely. My life's going to be like, you literally just told thousands of people. Our yeah. sex. We're adults, right? Yeah. People are going to wish they had had that. <laughs> no, I do. I, I do think that um, I, ha- I have to say that uh, I have a healthy sex life. Mm-hmm. Um, as a couple, we have a healthy sex life. I think it's a very big contributor. Obviously, you know, I, I know Absolutely. every years, you know, my affection for my wife. And I believe that you know, that encompasses a lot of things, including sex. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in terms of sleep, that's not something that I put a lot of thought into other than, um, you know, I know that it does have some sleep inducing qualities, you know, especially for men. Uh, I can't speak for women in that regard. I I would, it depends probably. It's probably. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I think it goes both ways. Hopefully it comes up in the book. They did actually bring up the idea of um, like two sleeps and how there's, um, you know, there were like in the Dickens time or in the, mm-hmm. you know, where um, people would wake up to have sex and then go back to sleep, um, which is interesting. Um, but it, he was not a proponent of it, but he did talk about how that, that happened. I can't remember if he brought that up or Rogan brought that up. It'll be interesting to see if he talks about that in the book. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I think we can we can end on. Sorry, that. I know that was I know that was a little more of a tangent probably than you were expecting at the end of this podcast. No, I think but. that is a good. I, I honestly, like I said, I mean, uh, I love talking about things that are not, you know, my reality. You yeah. know, 
that's not my reality. I don't have sex before bed, <laughs> you know. Um, but I would but, say that a good chunk of the general population, that's when they find time. When you have kids and you work and you, I mean, that's when you find time. So if you're going to not let it affect sleep, you've got to figure out a way to, like I said, start earlier or find it I every will say, I will say we, we do have to get more creative, but mm -hmm. also, you know, we don't think it's a big deal. Right. <laughs> if, yeah. if, uh, our kids are in the house and they're awake, you know, right. um, we, I think a, a lot of people need to get over that, including kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, uh, my, my kids, you know, we've made it such a priority, just general affection mm -hmm. that, um, you know, my kids are definitely under the understanding that you want to, um, have public affection, right? And yes. that uh, I think that they're comforted by that, you know, that, that you know, oh, mommy's kissing daddy, you know, that kind of stuff. But secretly they love that, right? Secretly they love the fact that they they have a secure, you know, family unit, you know. Um, yeah. So, all right. So we will end on that note. Uh, happy Memorial Day. We never really did get into Murph, so you know I did make a post about Murph. Um, but but all the people doing it, be safe. Make sure you're hydrated. That was that was kind of the emphasis of the article. That's what I was going to say. Stay hydrated. Here in Missouri, it's supposed to be like 102 for May on Memorial Day, which is stupid because we didn't really get a spring. We got went right to summer. Yeah. So and we have um, 60. 60 to 70 people doing Murph at our gym on Monday. So I would make a strong argument. I know not everybody's going to hear this, but if you are doing Murph, it's supposed to be really super hot. If you're the gym owner, do it earlier. You know, it, yep. it literally, you know, there's a lot of relationships between rhabdo and hydration. And then and when you start getting into sweating and overexertion and stuff like that. It's a big and deal. from someone who's had rhabdo, that is not a group you, that is not a, a group of people you want to be a part of. You don't want to be in that club. I promise. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here. That was a, that was a good topic, even though it got a little awkward, but you know, <laughs> we dealt with it. I think um, we came, I think we came, brought it circled to, so we understood what we were saying. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I do, I like putting myself out there. I know you do too, because there's a lot of people that don't feel comfortable talking about that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> open book here. Nothing's off limits. Yeah. There, there's still some things that, that, that I've not crossed the, the threshold yet. Um, but, but we shall <laughs> see because ultimately I think it's a exercise in, um, you know, just openness and, and, you know, kind of uncovering a lot of that stuff. So we'll end on that note. Talk to you guys later. Have a great weekend. Bye.